0: Welcome to the End of Innocence. I'm your host, John Young. First of all, I want to apologize for missing last week as I've been battling a round of COVID. As you can tell from my voice, I'm still not completely over it, so this week we're going to listen to some media reports about the recent bombshell that was dropped in this case. Secret Service agent Paul Landis breaks his silence after 60 years and says that he is the source of this so-called magic bullet that was found on a stretcher outside trauma room one on the day of Kennedy's assassination. Landis says that he has never subscribed to conspiracy theories and stresses that he is not promoting one now. At age 88, he said all he wants to do is to tell the world what he saw and what he did. He will leave it to everyone else to draw their conclusions. In recent years, Landis confided his story with several key figures, including Louis Merletti, a former director of the Secret Service. James Robenodt, a Cleveland lawyer and author of several books of history, who has deeply researched the assassination and helped Mr. Landis process his memories. Quote, If what he says is true, which I tend to believe it is, it is likely to reopen the question of a second shooter, if not even more, Mr. Rolenbrock said. If the bullet we know as the magic or pristine stopped in Kennedy's back, it means that the central thesis of the Warren Report, the single bullet theory, is wrong. And if Mr. Connolly was hit by a separate bullet, then it seemed possible that it was not from Oswald who could not have reloaded that fast, end quote. It
1: appears as though something has happened in the motorcade
2: route. Something, I repeat, has happened in the motorcade route. There's numerous people running up the hill alongside Elm Street, there by the Simmons Freeway. Several police officers are rushing up the hill at this time. Stand by.
1: From Dallas, Texas, the flash, apparently official, President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time some 38 minutes ago. said today, the assassination case against Lee Harvey Oswald is cinched. He said flatly, this is the man that killed President Kennedy,
0: 24-year-old Lee Harvey Oswald. Come on, President. No, they're taking me in because of the fact that
1: i, I live, live in the city. I'm, I'm just, just a, a party, President.
2: Shot! He's been shot. Eddie Oswald has been shot. There's the man with the gun.
3: remaining witnesses of the jfk assassination says he is rethinking the entire indice, uh, incident of that was going on for the first time former secret service agent who was protecting kennedy that day told the new york times the quote i'm beginning to doubt myself now i begin to wonder about what really happened now, of course this comes as jfk's nephew robert f kennedy jr is now seeking the democratic nomination for the presidency but the so-called democrats are not are not acting very democratic. So if RFK Jr. feels like he is not getting a fair shake from the Democrats, will he run third party? He joins us now with more. Um, let, me, let me first ask you about the Secret Service agent. The, name by, the guy's name is Paul Landis. You know, he, he talked about the magic bullet. Magic bullet to me was absurd from day one. Uh, never, never, to me, it never had any credibility. He was there, even put himself on record at the time, and mentioned that he made a mistake in his placement of the bullet in in that room where your uncle was after he was shot. My question to you is, should this now open a full-fledged investigation?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about this development is not uh, really his revelation, because... The and this information has been out there and the information, you know, the overwhelming information that there was more than one shooter involved and that there were multiple people involved has been recognized uh, by the American people. Seventy percent of Americans don't believe the Warren report. But more importantly, when Congress investigated, reinvestigated the Warren Commission evidence and, and was looking at much more evidence in 1979, the House Select Assassinations Committee. They came to the conclusion, and this was the conclusion, official conclusion of the report, that John Kennedy was killed by a conspiracy. majority of that House uh, staff believe that it was the CIA behind that conspiracy. The important thing that's happened now is finally the New York Times, the orthodoxy is starting to crumble. The New York Times, which has been the major uh, bash and the champion of of the Warren committee long report long after it was discredited by a million different sources. The other thing that's important now, Sean, is, yeah, I think that they ought to have a real investigation of of what happened, a genuine investigation. Um, But that looks at all the evidence, the millions of pages of documents that are now available, more importantly, the last 5,000 pages of documents that the CIA will not release is breaking the law now. They're supposed to release those documents by 2017. President Trump promised to release them, which was his duty, and then he didn't. We don't know why. President Biden promised to release them, and then he didn't. We don't know why. Among those documents, the most interesting things that people want to know about is Bill Harvey's the Miami station chief, who almost certainly was directly involved in the assassination, his travel records on that day, and I think most of the scholars who are looking at this issue, that that is the, the principal yeah. piece of interest that, that they want to know well, about that we believe that the CIA is concealing. I want to see all those documents.
3: I agree with you. They should be released to the public.
4: Version of what might have happened to the magic bullet that was key to the official story of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, according to the Warren Commission report. This is in a new book called The Final Witness A Kennedy Secret Service Agent Breaks His Silence After 60 Years. The book is by one time Secret Service agent Paul Landis, who was then in his late 20s and provided security for the First Lady, Jacqueline Kennedy. Now, Landis's book is adding to the controversy over what has been called the magic bullet theory, a reference to the Warren Commission's conclusion that before the fatal shot hit Kennedy in the head, a single bullet, recovered almost intact, passed through Kennedy's throat and continued on to seriously wound Texas Governor John Connolly in the seat in front of Kennedy. Landis was in the car directly behind President Kennedy's limousine on November 22, 1963. He heard the shots, and he saw with his own eyes much of what happened. Landis filed reports and continued working in the security detail for Mrs. Kennedy, but he left the Secret Service less than a year after the assassination, and he never mentioned then his own moment with that single intact bullet until he says he found out the Warren Commission report did not match his memory. Landis writes, quote, The super bullet hadn't been on Governor Connolly's stretcher in trauma room number two. I recognized it as the bullet I had found in the limo and placed next to President Kennedy's feet in trauma room number one. That assertion has kicked up a debate over the so-called magic bullet, and former Secret Service agent Paul Landis joins us now to talk about his book. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. So you were in the car Directly behind Kennedy's during the Dallas motorcade. What do you remember about the shots being fired?
5: I was riding on the uh, right rear bumper of the uh, halfback, the follow up car, and we had just completed our turn uh, off of Houston Street onto Elm. And the two cars, the President's Limo, halfback, the follow up car, were just straightening out when I heard a loud report that I recognized as coming from a high-powered rifle. And I immediately turned, looked uh, over my shoulder to the right, where the sound had come from, and uh, I I couldn't see anything right away. And uh, I turned quickly and looked at the president, and President Kennedy uh, was kind of leaning a little bit to uh, his left, towards mrs kennedy there was a second shot uh again there was no re- i saw no reaction from where i was inside the uh president's limo and <clears throat> we were starting to move at a little higher rate of speed uh clint hill was racing towards the uh president's limo and almost immediately after the second shot uh, there was a third third report, and uh, we we passed under the uh, overpass and raced raced from there to to uh, Parkland Memorial Hospital.
4: yeah, I want to get to the, what happened at the hospital, but just to uh, clarify, do you think there was only one gunman?
5: I did. I only heard three shots um, yeah they all came from the rear. the third shot. We were so close to the overpass, um it sounded like the sound was there or came from that direction but uh, it was later when I learned that there there had been three cartridge cases founded mm-hmm. in a school book depository, and everything was kind of associated with uh, with Oswald at that point,
4: right um Let's get to your actions Uh, after the motorcade arrived at Parkland Memorial Hospital in Dallas. You write that you saw two bullet fragments sitting in a pool of blood. You picked one up and you put it back. Then you say you found an intact bullet in the seat. And you write, quote, it was a completely intact bullet. It had been hidden behind Mrs. Kennedy all the time she was seated. No wonder I hadn't seen it sooner. I picked it up and quickly examined it. It was approximately two inches long and in almost perfect condition. It was not distorted in any way and had rifle striations running lengthwise along the sides. Man, oh man, oh man, I thought, what should I do? And you write that you put it in your pocket. Why'd you put it in your pocket? I
5: started to put it back and then I hesitated for a moment because um, I had looked around when I had been scanning the back area I saw no secret service agents there uh, to secure the car, and we were getting ready to, to exit uh, the limo, and I didn't want to leave the, leave the, the bullet there because I was afraid uh, people were starting to converge on the, towards the car. I thought a souvenir hunter, somebody might see that. I didn't want, want to have the press be taking pictures or doing anything like that.
4: And then you write that you, you put the bullet on the stainless steel examination table where President Kennedy was being treated. The examination table is not the same thing as the gurney used to bring Kennedy from the limousine into the hospital. Exactly where did you put the bullet and, and why did you put it there?
5: Uh, with the crowd, I got just pushed into that room. I was right behind Mrs. Kennedy. When we were entering the room, I stepped behind her to keep her from getting uh, pushed. And uh, the crowd, she stepped to the side, to the left, just inside the doorway when we entered the trauma room. Uh, People were pushing and shoving, and I just got shoved right up against the examination table. And it just so happened I was right there next to uh, the president's feet. People were coming in. It was it was chaos, and at that point, moment, I thought, "Well, this is the perfect place to leave the bullet. It should be with the president's body. It's an important piece of evidence, and uh, this was the opportunity to leave it."
6: Service agent who witnessed President John F. Kennedy's assassination 60 years ago is for the first time sharing new details that could change our understanding of what happened that day. 88-year-old Paul Landis is out with a new book next month called The Final Witness. The former Secret Service agent was in the car directly behind JFK's limo when shots rang out in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, 1963. Landis claims that after the president was shot, he found one of the bullets lodged in the back seat of the limo and later placed it on JFK's stretcher at the hospital. But that account challenges the so-called magic bullet theory that was detailed in the Warren Commission report. And according to that theory, a single bullet hit JFK from behind and then continued on to hit Texas Governor John Connolly, who was sitting in the seat in front of him. Landis believes the bullet could only have hit the president since he found it in the back seat behind Kennedy. The magic bullet theory has always been controversial, and Landis's story is raising a lot of new questions. Earlier, I had a chance to speak with Paul Landis to get some answers. Paul, tell us why you're writing your book and speaking out now, sixty years later after the event. I
5: think to set things straight. Um... 60 years just kind of happened to come along. Um, after the assassination, I think the stress and everything, I was, uh, I just removed myself from the Secret Service. I just didn't like to talk about the assassination. I never read anything about it. I figured I was there, I'd seen it. I remember everything clearly.
6: Take me back. You were assigned to protect the first lady. You were riding in the motorcade. What did you see and what did you hear?
5: I heard uh, the sound of a high-powered rifle. And just a few seconds after the first shot, I, I heard a second shot. And I I was looking at the president's car. I saw no movement or disturbance. And I thought I thought that shot had missed. I heard a... A third shot came very quickly after the... Second shot I heard.
6: In the Um, chaos, uh, Paul, of the aftermath of the shooting, I mean, there was a lot going on. You said you found a single bullet, the so-called magic bullet, according to the Warren Commission, that was determined to have passed through the president and into Governor Connolly, who was sitting in front of the president. But you say you found the bullet in the back seat where President Kennedy was sitting?
5: I found the bullet on the back seat of the car i picked the bullet up looked at it started to put it back down there were people merging on the car i didn't want a souvenir hunter to do anything or pick up the bullet uh, press were, were there i put the bullet in my pocket and uh, we raced through the, uh, the lobby of the emergency room i got pushed right up against the, uh, the examination table where they had placed President Kennedy. When I was going into the room, they were removing his body from the gurney, and I quickly thought this is the place where the bullet should be. I made a snap decision. I thought this, the, this would help with the autopsy and that the, the bullet would be evidence that the doctors would find I thought, I thought I'd done everything okay, and I, I was proud of the fact that I saved this piece of evidence.
6: If you, if what you say is true and that bullet was found in the back seat where the Kennedys were sitting, some people say it completely upends the magic bullet theory that so many have struggled to believe. I'm curious, do you think that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone?
5: Well, now it was impossible on the magic bullet theory for one single bullet to hit the president in the head, come out, hit uh, Governor Connolly in the shoulder, continue down, hit his rest, uh, wrist, and then end up lodged in his leg. It was, uh, I mean, it just didn't make any sense at all.
6: You've never believed the magic bullet theory?
5: Well, for several years, I never questioned. I didn't. I didn't know, I'd heard about the magic bullet theory, I didn't know what it was all about. It wasn't until Hosea Thompson's book, Six Seconds in Dallas, I remember page 46, and he was talking about this bullet that they found in Governor Connolly's stretcher, and it was exhibit number, what, 399, and that was, in my mind, it was like, wait a minute, that's... That's my bullet. That's the bullet I found and placed on on the stretcher.
6: I'm curious, Paul. um, Many Secret Service agents working the presidential detail that day were themselves traumatized and haunted by what happened. Were you?
5: I, I was traumatized for months after that. I kind of figured that I would be interviewed by by the warren commission once once i heard that, that that this was formed i was a little nervous about being examined because i was afraid i was going to break down mm. there was a lot of crying with everybody mm. nobody talked to each other about this nobody ever asked me about it
6: i'm just curious i know we have to wrap it up but i'm i know that many secret service agents Get very close to the people they protect, and you spent all those harrowing days after the assassination right next to Jackie Kennedy. What do you remember about her and what she was going through?
5: It was it was a sad time. There were there were a lot of sobs coming from the back seat uh, when I was driving her. Um, it, it, it was it was so bad I mean I really want, wish I could have said something to help out or comfort her but it wasn't my place um, and that added added to my my stress also
6: yeah um, well Paul Landis thank you so much uh, for talking to us you played a big role in a big part of our nation's history and I appreciate you sharing your memories with us
7: Talk to a former Secret Service agent with a secret that, if true, could rewrite so much of what we know happened on the day President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. It is a confession he says he is making after 60 years of silence, all about a single bullet he found in the back of that convertible. Now, the implications could be staggering. There's a lot of fact from fiction that we're going to be separating here. So we want to start with just a little bit of history and take you back to that fateful day in Dallas in 1963.
3: The motorcade is traveling at about 20 to 25 miles an hour. This this is the scene of confusion. Something has happened here. The cameraman running toward the scene for the presidential car ahead of him. These films from outside the emergency room of Parkland Hospital in Dallas as the president is dying inside. Senator Ralph Yarbrough, who saw the shooting said he heard shots and then saw a secret serviceman pound his fist against a rear fender of the presidential car in anguish. White House Press Secretary Malcolm Kilduff has just announced that President Kennedy died at approximately 1 o'clock Central Standard Time, which is about 35 minutes ago.
2: After being shot at...
3: After being shot...
2: By an unknown assailant...
3: By an unknown assailant...
2: During a motorcade
3: drive through downtown Dallas. During a motorcade drive through downtown Dallas. A flash from Dallas. Two priests who were with President Kennedy say he is dead. <laughs> a bullet of wounds. This is the latest information we have from Dallas. Of course to give you all available
1: information as it comes to us. I will repeat with the greatest and the remains of
7: the Warren Commission concluded that three shots were fired. One shot passed through the president's back and exited through his neck. It may have also hit Texas Governor John Connolly, seeming to ricochet inside his body, and that the last shot hit President Kennedy in the head. But here's the thing. The root of most conspiracies surrounding what happened deal with a mystery known as the magic bullet theory, all having to do with the shot that entered JFK's back as doctors told Congress and then again somehow allegedly exited through his neck, then pierced the governor. Sitting there in front of him went through the governor's chest, shattering a rib, then exiting his body, then going back inside to his wrist, went through that, and then hit his leg. And that bullet was found intact at the hospital. Now, it was always assumed that it fell off the governor's stretcher, but today that Secret Service agent who we are about to talk to says he's the one who found that bullet and put it on the stretcher. But before we get to him, let's take a quick look at this report from NBC's Liz Kurtz.
8: 60 years after one of the most earth shattering days in modern American history, when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas in 1963.
1: President John F. Kennedy
4: died at approximately 1 o'clock Central Standard Time.
8: Former Secret Service agent Paul Landis, who was with the president that day, is opening up for the first time about what he witnessed. For decades, the prevailing theory was that one bullet struck JFK and then hit Texas Governor John Connolly, who was sitting in front of him. It became known as the magic bullet theory, which explained how one shooter could have fired all the shots. The theory is based on this bullet being found on Governor Connolly's gurney at the hospital. But now in a new book, Landis says he knows how it got there. The 88-year-old tells the New York Times he found that bullet lodged in the car seat behind where Kennedy was killed. He says he then took that bullet to the hospital and placed it on the president's gurney. It was a piece of evidence, he tells the Times, and I didn't want it to disappear or get lost. So it was, Paul, you've got to make a decision, and I grabbed it. But Landis now says he thinks the bullet may have rolled from Kennedy's gurney to Connolly's, meaning it may not have been the bullet that injured Connolly. Dr. Aguilar, you've studied this case for years. How significant is this?
5: I think this is a significant piece of new evidence to support the idea that there was more than one
1: gunman in Dealey Plaza.
8: Clint Hill, the Secret Service agent who climbed on the back of the limo after Kennedy was shot, questions Landis's story. Why do you have doubts about his account?
1: Because if you check all the evidence, statements, things that happened, they don't line up. It doesn't make any sense to me that he's trying to put it on the president's journey.
8: But Landis, who was not available for an interview with NBC News, tells The Times he made mistakes in his initial reports. He says he's been afraid to share his true story until now. Liz Kreutz, NBC News. Thanks so much, Liz. Paul Landis, a witness to the assassination
7: and author of the book, The Final Witness, joins us now. And James Robinalt, a presidential historian who wrote the profile in Vanity Fair on Paul's book, joins us as well. First off, Mr. Landis, thank you so much for joining us. I can't imagine uh, the trauma of seeing what you saw and then having to relive it for decades. Uh, Thank you so much for speaking to us tonight. Um, I know this is decades and decades in the past, but. What do you remember starting with the first shot all the way to discovering the bullet? Well,
5: I remember uh, the first shot came from over my right shoulder. I turned around to look to see where it was coming from. Um, I scanned quickly uh, the grassy knoll area that was in front of us or to our right. Uh, I looked at President Kennedy. I did not realize he'd been hit at that moment. He was raising his arms, and I thought he was leaning to the left. I thought he was turning to see where the sound came from. Uh, just after after that, I scanned quickly to the right, back again. I was looking at the president when the second sound uh, happened. I still did not see any reaction from anybody in the presidential limo, and. At that point, we were approaching the underpass and I heard a loud uh, report that came very shortly after the second one. Uh, we flew through the underpass. Uh, during this whole time, the uh, six seconds that, that took place, uh, I saw Clint Hill running running to the president's limo and reaching to get up on the trunk. Um, he got up there Just as Mrs. Kennedy seemed to be reaching out over the trunk and getting back. And Clint pushed her back into the seat, covered the body. And we flew under the underpass. And I had no idea where we were going. I assumed it was the closest hospital available. Uh, We arrived at Parkland Memorial Hospital. I jumped out of the follow-up car and raced up to Mrs. Kennedy to the Mrs. Kennedy and the limo. I reached over and took her by the shoulders and asked her if I could help her. Uh, she said, "No, no, no, no. I, I want to stay with him. I want to stay with the president." Uh, about that time, Clint entered the uh, rear of the car and. Uh, realized that Mrs. Kennedy was hiding the president's head and didn't want anybody to see the head wound. So he, he immediately convinced her he covered, he took off his suit coat, covered her head, or his president's head, and he started to get up to leave the, the limousine. In the meantime, while this was happening, I happened to look, Uh, to the right where uh, where Mrs. Kennedy was sitting. And sitting in a pool of blood there, I saw two bright uh, brass bullet fragments. I picked one of them up, looked at it, and it was kind of like the end of my little pinky. It was mushroomed, uh, and I put it back right exactly where I found it. By then, Mrs. Kennedy was standing up, and I was looking around for other agents. I didn't see anybody, but I saw an intact, fully uh, bullet on the back of the seat where the uh, cushioning meets the met the trunk of the car. And I picked it up and looked at it, and it was only thing I noticed that was wrong with it were were bullet striations. There was no other deformities. Um, I started to put it back. Mrs. Kennedy and Clint were leaving the car and, uh, I made a quick decision. I, I didn't see anybody Just secure the car. People were merging on, on the car. Uh, I did not want this piece of evidence to disappear. And I slipped it into my pocket. Um, we raced through the lobby of, uh, the, the uh, Emergency room. Uh, on the way out of the car, I uh, noticed Mrs. Kennedy's pillback box hat, her clutch purse, and I picked them up. And then I noticed there was a Zippo cigarette lighter on a street, on the seat. It was all covered with blood. And I turned it over, and it had the presidential seal on it. I thought it was uh, Mrs. Kennedy's that came out of her purse. Didn't think anything else of it that I just figured that Mrs. Kennedy didn't need to see this so I slipped that in my pocket too and figured I would give it to Prove her personal maid when we got back to the White House um, as we raced through the lobby of uh, the emergency room uh, we got to the trauma room one they had to pivot the uh, journey that the president's body was on and pushed it into the trauma room. um There was a crowd that kind of joined us doing this. I was pushed right up next to uh, the president's body and standing right next to his feet. Uh, most everybody in the room was focused on the head wound. I could not look, but I knew I would pass out if I saw it. Um, but all these things are whirling through my mind on what to do. And I realized this was a perfect uh, place to leave a bullet uh, with the president's body and it would be found during uh, the autopsy. And about that time, so I reached out, I put the bullet on the gurney right by his feet. And about that time, Everybody, the doctors were asking everybody to leave. Somebody came in and said, please, please let me through, uh, I'm a doctor. And somebody else, another doctor, they asked everybody to leave, um, to give them room to work. So, returned and uh, kind of joined the crowd going out of the, the uh, trauma room Mrs. Kennedy had come in and she kind of slipped to the uh, left of the door entrance. So Uh I kind of stood there with her while everybody was leaving. And then I followed her out when she stepped out. Um, I then I spotted Clint and uh, Roy Kellerman uh, in an office to the left. And I walked over to tell Clint I was going to be over with Mrs. Kennedy. And he, at that point, he was on the phone.
7: Um, what else from there? Paul. Sorry, uh, real fast, Paul. Uh, when you found that bullet, this bullet has become the focal point of, of so much history. When you found that bullet, was it lodged in a cushion? You said it had striations. Uh, was it lodged in the cushion? Was it just sitting on the back of the of the seat next to where the convertible came down? Uh, how would you describe uh, its condition when you found it? Uh, it was perfect condition. It was not... Buried
5: or sunk in a seam, that was just lying uh, where the seam on the back of the seat meets uh, the middle of the trunk, and uh, that's where they would have attached the bubble top if they had
7: or hit were were putting it on. And and you got a good look at it. Did it have any blood or any any sort of matter on it? I didn't notice
5: uh, just any blood. Uh, it was just it was. Uh, like everybody wrote or says, it was a pristine bullet. The only thing on it were uh, rifle striations, uh, and that, that's
7: all I noticed at the time. And this Back was now, all. Oh, do, you, do you think? I'm sorry. Sorry, Do you think that the bullet that you found uh, at the back of the car, do you think that that one was possibly the one that hit President Kennedy in the back and then may have fallen back out in the second shot? Or do you think that that might have been the shot that missed? I know you described only hearing uh, two gunshots. What, What are your thoughts? We did hear three gunshots. You heard three gunshots. So do you think yeah. that it was the one that went in his back, or do you think that this might have, I don't know, been, been the other one that, that was never found? I didn't
5: have any thoughts at that time. All I saw was a bullet that was there, and I wanted to preserve it to make sure that it didn't get
7: lost. That's that's basically it. There's so many people that are watching this are going to wonder, why come forward now, why not say something earlier?
5: Well, nobody asked me, and I never thought about it. It was—I didn't read anything about the assassination. I had nightmares. Uh, I buried everything. I refused to read anything about it because I figured I'd been there. I'd witnessed it. I didn't need to read anything. Uh, all the assassination theories and things that were out there. I never, I never took a look at. It was there was only one book, and it was just coincidentally happened uh, in 2014. And I am doing volunteer work for the Shaker Heights uh, Police Department, and the chief of police there came to the yard. We were doing a property auction police chief came said paul i have a book that i think you'd be interested in and he gave me this book and it was called six seconds in dallas Uh, i took it home thinking i'd read it read it immediately but i just put it on a nightstand and uh, it was three months before i decided it was time to start reading about what was going on i don't know and and paul and, Paul, when you,
7: started to real, when you started to realize that they were calling the bullet that you found the magic bullet, and this whole theory revolved around this one magic bullet, knowing what you knew at the time, what went through your mind?
5: Uh, this was, I said, this was wrong. They, they were attributing that bullet to being on um, Governor Connolly's stretcher and, uh, I knew i picked it up and carried it in and put it on President Kennedy's stretcher. And that, that's, that's really uh, the only thing that had me concerned. I, I, I didn't know what to do about that at the time.
7: Hey, hey. the way i understand it you set out just like all of us journalists with a a healthy dose of of skepticism uh you met paul you started asking questions and the way i understand it you you were struck with with his story with his candor and the next thing you know you're acting almost as his confidant before the release of his book here Uh, what strikes you about his story Well, first of all, um, the book was done when I read it. He had had, uh, completed the book.
2: And at the very end of the book, I was like, okay, so what does this mean? Because he does not speculate about anything. He just says what he knows and what he saw and what he found. And so I called the publisher who had published my last two books. Coincidentally, that's why they sent me the book to to do a blurb of this book. And I said, this guy um, is going to have a lot of people coming at him, asking a lot of questions. I think he's going to need somebody to spend some time with him before we launch. And so Paul and I have met maybe about 15 times, usually two hours at a time. And we've gone over everything. I put him through the paces. Why did you wait? Is this possible? You know, that sort of thing. And over time, I became convinced that it was not only possible, but it was very probable that, that uh, this bullet that he's talking about stuck in Kennedy's back and then fell out the back. Uh, the night of the autopsy, those autopsy doctors could only get their little pinkies just a, a short bit into the back wound. There was no outlet, and they were perplexed by it. So um, that all changed, and that's a different story. But once I started looking at all this, Um, having been someone who believed in the Warren Commission I now thought well wait a minute if this bullet stuck in his back then it is not the single bullet that went through and then hit Conley and caused all that injury Um, and it only makes sense because the one that caused Conley's injury broke major bones and it would not have been not severely deformed if not broken into pieces so um, over time I I became convinced that um, this story was true correct um, and I tried to put it all together in that Vanity Fair article
7: that I did. It's a great article. And uh, Paul, I've got to ask you the same question that Jim has probably asked over and over and over again. Do you think that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only person involved? Do you think he was the gunman, the, the sole gunman in the assassination of John F. Kennedy?
5: I think the, uh, the fact that they found three what I based my decision on was the fact they found three cartridge cases in the school book depository, and I there was, it had to be one person, and I feel comfortable at this point that this, that's who it was, and he was the lone assassin.
7: Paul Landis, Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, a lot to process there. Really looking forward to uh, reading more on your account. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. It's too soon to tell how that's going to change theories surrounding such an important moment in our nation's history but a quick note before we move on uh, it is not lost on me that this is a chapter of our past that a lot of people would like to learn from and move on but i gotta say we live in a day and age of rampant conspiracies and as a journalist i've always thought that questioning what happens is not something that ends it's something that we continue to do when the story evolves i know i look young but in my 19 years of covering the news i can't tell you you how many times i've seen a story change again and again and again and i've found that accounts that insist that 100 percent certainty this is what happened can often be as unreliable as those who say look there is something that doesn't add up must be some sort of secret conspiracy uh, so i guess the bottom line here is that we always deserve more information just as much as we deserve to keep an open mind
0: Next week's episode, hopefully I will have my voice back and we will break down what Agent Paul Landis had to say and how it may finally bring us some answers we as the American public have been trying to get for almost 60 years regarding the Kennedy assassination. We'll see you next week.